0: perfect for a moment to unwind. And so when you wanna hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In
1: 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts.
2: Hi, uh, this is Ruben the cheek I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All
0: right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. That is about as much energy as you are going to get out of me today because, well, it's the Arsenal match review. And if you somehow missed it, go back to sleep. Nothing here to share with you. Um, but Dan, before we get into even the three-word match review... All right, some exciting things happened um, before the match that we should talk about.
1: Well, I mean, first off, it was at least a Merry Christmas before we got into the Boxing Day blow up, as it were, within the Chelsea result. But before that, you know, we wanted to shout out our friends Harry and Domer within our Patreon Discord. As we're calling it now apparently the LIBP Plus Community, the plus, yes, mm-hmm. the plus community that we have here. You know, Discovery Plus, old news, Libp Plus, why the new keep,
3: hotness. Why do you keep bringing up Discovery Plus? Like, it's why wouldn't you bring it up? A-M-C Shark Week plus. for life, man. Oh anyway, God, we want
1: to thank them so for the Hallmark fact that they shared with us that they had. Uh, they, they both proposed and both had received uh, a positive response this weekend in their, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're going forward in, in their lives. And we want to thank them for that, you know, sharing that within our community. So we appreciate that. We're excited for them. Uh, we saw some wonderful, you know, especially within Domer's pictures. We saw some wonderful pours of a brown liquor as well, Nick, as you'd appreciate post proposal. So, I mean, all good things, right? You know, even in the midst of terrible Chelsea results. Positive things can be happening.
3: A couple of things on this. One, you made it sound like they were waiting three to five business days for a response on this. Like like <laughs> they, they didn't get an immediate yes. Secondly, uh, as Nick Miller from uh, God, what show is that? Freaking uh, New Girl. New Girl. Oh, my God. Good job. Rubbing alcohol is for wounds on the outside. Drinking alcohol is for wounds on the inside. So cheers to you. I'm glad you did this before the match.
0: Yeah, definitely uh nothing can really get in the way of that although uh these Char- Chelsea Arsenal match sure tried its hardest. So anyways, let us go into the three word match reviews. This should be interesting. This should set a very exciting tone for what is to come. I can only imagine Dan how hard this was for you.
1: Well, there was a lot. You know, this this might be a record setting moment. For the 3 or match review in terms of the number of responses that we received heading into this. Uh, there were some, like, you know, Kate just, you know, putting out there, Frank call Emma. You know, Emma Hayes, clearly doing very, very well. Knows how to beat Arsenal the, that
3: Emma Hayes. Um, she does. Frequently. Uh,
1: Jason with the London is redacted. <laughs> So we might have to figure out what actually what color it is at the moment. Uh Jeremy, who just joined our, our Discord slash Patreon community with the VAR, very arsenal result. Mm. Love that one. Didn't have a question, but I love that one. Courtney with the didn't show up, which was very straightforward. Uh Josie with the of course we lost with the OFC to get in the three words. Um uh, Our boy Dean Mears with the Frank's festive fuck up. Mm. Hyphenated. Very straightforward. He Hyphenated. also made sure to kind of highlight that he said, "Once I win the three word match review, this question is going to be what the position becomes a priority in January. We mm. might talk about that because his was pretty good. But you know, we, we did talk about the winners of three word match reviews. Do you get question asked and answered in the podcast, and then uh, John with the it's too easy, but it's a Boxing Day knockout. Mm. I, I did really enjoy enjoy the simple adventurers. What the Frank?" Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Connor, actually, I think was probably the one that I I connected with the most, which was this hangover was evident, you know, and th- that that just kind of summed it up for me. But I, yeah, I think we had some good ones in, in internally as well.
0: I went with players versus Frank. I can see this being the talking line uh, with a lot of different things, plus my own opinions. Uh, Nick, for you, you had
3: um, no surprises. Not coming. I mean. And I wasn't the only one, by the way. If you scroll Twitter before the match, a lot of nervous people out there. And I think that is indicative of where Chelsea is at the moment. That 15th place Arsenal scared us. Scare, interesting. I,
0: They, yeah, you could see it being a bogey. So obviously your three words of sock coming. Uh, sadly, can see where you're coming from with that. Dan, over to you.
1: Questions on answers. I think this result was all about the fact that I have more questions today about the Chelsea side than I do answers.
0: Well, I can't wait to explore some of your questions (laughs) on this pod. So what we're going to be discussing is at another crossroads for Frank and the squad. So here's the deal. Instead of a detailed rundown, just going to give you what we're planning on doing. I have no idea where this is going to go. This will probably be the least used script in all of our history. Oh, great. You know us. (laughs) We try to be fair. We try to criticize when it's fair, we try not to be over the top, we try not to be too reactionary, and we try to take our match reviews into context of the larger picture. But here goes something, hopefully you still love us after, this is uh, what we're going to do for our match reviews. So before we get into the the meat of it, huge thank you to Tana and Jeremy for joining the Patreon, uh, and we even got a couple people who didn't have access that finally got you in, so uh, if you aren't in the Discord, be on a Patreon, message us. Make sure you get in. It is top, top-notch place. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, Dan, you are busy with the Apple Podcasts.
1: There's a lot. You know, we we appreciate it. There's even people calling <laughs> calling Nick uh, a twat, which is quite wonderful. But you know what? Like, that's okay. You hey, know, five we, we stars, take- you get away with it. We take the five star reviews in stride, and uh, Nick is laughing all the way to the bank with those. So knock ninety. We had uh, SS and Alpha with the shout out for the Atlanta Blues, which we we super appreciate the support from the the Hot Atlanta group out there. We had Yolo Monster, who uh, we had uh, Jordan Moss, we had c seventy nine RVA Blues. Shout out to the RVA Blues for a little bit of love there. Uh, rafi three ten. We had. <laughs> Also, Jeff Rashford, who apparently is a United fan who listens, particularly when we lose to get some recaps. So I'm, I'm sure Jeff is listening right now. So thank you for that five star review. We had Willie121212 and then Shane Holcomb, who, uh, Nick, you had a chance to chat with recently. So a lot of five star love across the par- podcast universe for uh, this show recently. So we thank you for that on Apple podcast, five star views.
3: Super appreciated. yep Yeah. Uh, a couple of, a couple of notes on these, if, if you will <laughs> allow me uh, one, Jeff, uh, lovely to have you here. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> two. Uh, it's the loving adoration from my fans that makes all of this effort worth it over time. And just want to say thank you to all these incredible reviews that are coming my way. It just warms the cockles of my heart. So, all right, well, Nick, over to you for merch Madness, and any other updates uh I think we're I think we're closing in on that, so we'll probably have somebody in January on that shipping times with all the holiday stuff is is kind of blocking right now, but uh we'll have more updates on that in January, and then a little bit of housekeeping brandon to to round us out. Oh, you want me to do it I well, usually do so i mean oh, but all right. but allow me <laughs> allow, allow me to do it. My section was short today, so there you go. Uh, We play in a day from now when you're hearing this. So uh, you should just you should listen to this as quickly as you can. Put it on on double speed and then take a day off. Take a full day off Sunday, if you can, into Monday. And then we'll be back with a Villa match review. You bet your bottom dollar. Yeah, uh, no, no rest for the wicked. Uh, No time for a hangover after this one. Uh, But here it is.
0: Match review. It was Arsenal in the Premier League this past Saturday, the 26th of December, better known as Boxing Day in the UK. And it was at London's largest library, the um, Empties, the Emirates. I don't know what you were going for, Dan. But anyways, the scoreline was three. Chelsea was one. Could have been more. So anyways, uh, let's head over to the fifth standout for the goals. Unfortunately, uh, they're going to be more against us than for us. But nonetheless, this is our opportunity to plug the Fifth Stand Up, the only official app from Chelsea FC, drop all of the latest news, uh, videos, and quotes there first. So go download it if you haven't. Here we go.
2: The Blues make the short trip to North London to take on beleaguered Arsenal, and they're aiming to record back-to-back league wins on this ground for the first time in more than a decade. It is mouths oh, just for a moment. He and I thought it was in. Here's Tierney. Paul oh, James. Oh, it's going to be a penalty. Of course, it will be being reviewed as we speak. It looks the correct call. Be on our own side. Let's hope this is a big save. there. hammers it in. Mendy didn't guess right. He would have struggled to keep that out anyway. It's Arsenal who strike first. Xhaka hits it. Oh, it's brilliant. Hammered into the top corner by Granit Xhaka. And Chelsea have got a big problem now. Saka. Oh, it's gone in. Incredible. Mendy misjudged it. I think Saka might have too. But Arsenal will take it. It's surely the goal that takes the game away from Chelsea. The sick referee got in his way. On he goes, though. And the doy away from Willock that time Better. and into Abraham and into the oh, goal, but it's not going to count. Onside, according to the computer. Game back on. Yeah, there's some consolation, isn't there? From Jorginho. Abbott goes Penalty. down. Given. Now Chelsea really do have an opportunity. Against Burnt Leno. It's Jorginho. And it's saved. It was not a good penalty. And Leno having guessed right. It's Arsenal's day on Boxing Day. Frank Lampard's side missed the chance to go up to third in the Premier League table. a night to forget in North London.
0: Final score here. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. All right, Dan, uh, hit us with the lineup and then we'll get into the stats.
1: Yeah, you know, it was Ed between the sticks. We had Tiago Silva and Kurt Zuma as the center back partnership. Surprise! Ben Chilwell and Reese James were both, quote unquote, fit for the match. We had Nicole Kante, Mateo Kovacic, and Mason Mount as our midfield, and Tammy Abraham, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner as our forwards. Again, we have a massive bench. But minimal substitutes because the FA is stupid. We have Kevin Aretha Balaga, Antonio Rüdiger, Cesar Esbacota, Emerson, Billy Gilmore, and Olivier Giroud laughing his way to unused substitutes with Jorginho, Havertz, and Calum Hudson-Joy all appearing off the bench for the Blues. All right. Match stats. Chelsea was
0: 61% possession away at the Emirates. Uh, We had 19 shots, but only three of them on target. Arsenal had 15 shots, seven on target, which is not how you want to see it. Uh, They had 16 tackles to our 10. They had 18 clearances to our 16. We had nine corners to their seven. Uh, One yellow card for us, two for them. Maybe could have been another one. Uh, And we conceded 10 to their 13. And when you head over to at Kaylee underscore graphics for the expected goals chart here, Uh, They said most of Chelsea's best attacking came at two or three goals down, but also shouldn't overstate the quality of this attacking performance by Arsenal. So the rough expected goal sum was 1.1 plus one for Arsenal, and then Chelsea were 1.3 plus one for the pen. Yet the scoreline is three to one. Nick, hashtag maths.
3: Well, as you know, um, (laughs) XG is among my favorite stats that exist out there. And it does prove in this case that your goal from Saka, for example, isn't real high on the XG chart because he didn't mean it. Um, Small so, dot. Yeah, right. And it's way out there. It's it's way out there. So, it, yeah, it's it's just not – It's there's nothing good about this. Uh, the, the fact that Jorginho misses the penalty at the end to, to rub salt in the wound is uh, is not great either. I actually texted this
0: because my two best friends are Arsenal fans, which is – Usually enjoyable, but not today. It's a poor um, choice by you. You Look, they made the choice later in life. It wasn't up to me. Um, and I said, the salt in the wounds that I didn't know I couldn't tolerate was Mustafi coming in on in stoppage time.
3: Yeah, that was expert level trolling from Mikel Arteta right there. Uh, it, it has to be said.
0: was not a big fan of seeing sh- shock. Gerdin Mustafi. I don't even know how to say it. That's like the least German name I know. But it was the absolute worst that that was the situation we're in. So uh, if we talk about it, if you're to sit down potentially with a friend and just say, well, what happened? Nick, can you tell me what happened? How did it make you feel? How do you feel
3: now? Well, Brandon, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... It's like
1: an episode of Mori or something. <laughs> like... There'll be um, no paternity
3: tests. <laughs> Dad? Well,
1: Frank Lampard, you are the father of a terrible result against Dad, Arsenal.
3: Dad, is that you? Um I as as I've said multiple times on the show, I hate Arsenal the most of any Premier League team. I hate them. Uh it boils my this result boiled my blood. I'll be honest. Like it is up and down, top to bottom, a calamity. It has to be said. It's a managerial calamity. It's a calamity by the players. It's a calamity of mentality. They're, like I tweeted this, and, I, and a lot of people were giving me stick for it, but I, I believe it. It seemed like we came in tentative and hesitant to play a 15th-place Arsenal team who were playing their quote-unquote B roster. Now, Dan will argue whether this is their lineup going forward or whatever, and like fair enough, whatever. But Pablo Mari and Bakayo Saka, who is a talented guy, typically aren't starters, right? They they were playing a lot of youth today to, because you know, injuries, COVID, and terrible performances all year. And we went in there like they were Prime Barcelona and capitulated. It was a bad it was a bad performance from the outset. I was worried about this one all week. I had a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. When when I typically have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach, usually results like this happen, so blame me, I suppose. But this infuriated me beyond belief. These are the types of games that if you're Chelsea Football Club, Dan, and you're quote-unquote serious about the title, hashtag why not us, that you cannot lose these games, you cannot even come close to losing these games. A draw would have been unacceptable today and and to go out and just get smashed like this is it's tough. This is more
1: why not question mark us period versus why not us period? our question mark like this this is absolutely down to us not coming into the game, ready to take on a side that wanted it more this comes out of the fact that arsenal without William, without dav luiz who were both you know potentially uh, can you know not necessarily feeling symptoms so they they self isolated out you know pre-match to make sure that they would not affect the squad uh, Gabrielle was you know kind of pulled out because of potential covid exposure as well so like this side from an arteta perspective was cobbled together like everything that you would anticipate from a domino effect should be like, oh, you know, Aubien, uh, you know, Peregrin is is not starting, right? Like Lac- like Lac- Lacazette's up there, you know, uh, Martinelli is starting his first Premier League game of the season, right? Jacques is coming back off of a, a suspension here. Like all of these things would tell you that this Arsenal side and this Arsenal team were there for the taking, were there ready to be exposed, particularly one. You also have Chilwell, Reese James back in the side. You know, you have pretty much the entirety of your preferred starting 11 outside of Zs available in this match. You would expect just on a lineup perspective. I mean, no one was talking about prior to the match that like the, the question marks were, are Chilwell and James fit enough? And if they are, it's great because ultimately this is the, you know, this ultimately is the lineup we would want to see Brandon. But at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. And it actually, I think it was clear that Arsenal wanted this a little bit more than our Chelsea side did a little, yeah, they, they, they wanted a lot more.
0: Look, that's the brightest. I think Arsenal started all season. <clears throat> uh, and I think it surprised the team. I don't think Chelsea players were ready for that. And again, I don't know if that's because Frank didn't prepare them. I don't know if they just weren't mentally prepared because it was a struggling arsenal that had a ton of changes and they just thought they would kind of show up and go through the motions to get it done. Uh, But they came out chasing. They came out hungry. You know, to your point, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe, 20-year-old, right? Gabriel Martinelli, super young. Lacazette hasn't really played as much anymore. And then, you know, in the back line, you got Pablo Mori and Kieran Tierney. Young guys, Bukayo Sacco looking to make an impression in the match, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, shit, they almost scored in the first two minutes, you know, against us, and it was kind of backs to the ropes from the beginning. So there's a a lot of different things we can talk about, but I was so surprised, gentlemen, that Reese James and Ben Chilwell were playing. Now, look, maybe Lampard played mind games with Chilwell and, and the seriousness or lack thereof of his injury, but you can't pretend like, Reese James and his injury wasn't serious. The way it was reported, the amount of people reporting on it, like he very clearly was close to having surgery. They're opting to go with pain management and see if he can get on. If this is the Reese James dealing with pain right now, you might as well go through the surgery and get him fixed because this is not a Reese James that is a. It is a shadow of himself. He got absolutely picked apart today, Nick. You feel like they targeted that side mainly because Timo Werner's in front of him and didn't defend it all. I think there's a lot of different things. Me personally, I'm going to come back to the midfield, but I'll at least throw it out to you. Uh, you had said that you know Lampard could potentially get a lot of blame after this game if they don't if they don't get hurt. It didn't look like they're hurt, but Reese James looked like he was about forty percent, and mentally he wasn't there either. With I think is what you can blame for the, albeit soft a pen that he gave up. And so the, the decision-making was off physically. He was significantly off. And I think that was a gamble that you could point at that and say, Hey, this is a gamble that Frank made. I really don't think you needed to make that gamble
3: when you have Aspie in the, in the waiting. That's the whole point, right? It it, like I get Chillwell a little bit more Emerson's not a like for like replacement. Emerson's a whole different player. You probably need to adjust your whole lineup for Emerson to take advantage of his skills as Pisa, Aspie's the captain of the fucking club. <laughs> he's and he's a veteran. He's there for this match. He's he knows how to play this match. He's done it a bunch. And part of part of the deal with Reese today that was so infuriating is like clearly he's physically he's not there, but I think the mind also went with the with the body. The positioning was awful all day. Like there there was one there's one moment that. It almost led to a goal. We got bailed out because of a poor shot, where he tried to jump in front of a a, kind of a long pass down the the wing, completely whiffed, and left acres of space for Saka to run into. And it's the the problem Dan with Reese is that even if he's still learning and growing, you know, into the position, you know, from a, a tactical perspective, let's say his body overcompensates for every you know little mistake that he typically can make and when his body's not able to do that kind of stuff those kinds of errors get really exposed and that is the i think the problem that you have is like if and again, it feels like I'm just throwing the whole the whole team onto – that's not what I'm doing here. It's just – this is one of the 15,000 things that went wrong today. But it ended up being a big one to your
0: point, right? When Reese is broken, he has no support from Timo. When his decision making's off, I don't know if it was a game plan because Arsenal said, shit, if Reese plays, let's attack him because we know he's not 100% like they're elite level footballers. They could have made that change on the fly, but it ended up being a a mistake that was repeated over and over and over. And it was not rectified and he was not able to dig himself out of the match today. And I think that was a a huge problem that we had.
1: Well, and that's uh, you know, you hit on a good point there, which is, that the Well, I'm going to say that, you know, we, we, I was actually, you know, I man the Twitter account, right? And so I'm like looking at things real time and watching, you know, some of our previous guests talk about what's going on and getting their perspective on it. Uh, Grant Schmidt, who's been on the podcast before, was talking a lot about like what happens when Timo is on the right versus Timo on the left and and Polisic on the right. Polisic at least tracks a little bit back, is willing to do a little bit more defensively than what Timo is. And so when you bring... Timo onto the right and put Polisic on the left, which is great from an attacking sense, but you bring Timo onto the right from a defensive sense, you are giving James an abundance of work to do relative to what he would do when Polisic is on the right-hand side trying to help and support in that regard. And so, you know, it's already enough of an ask to do a 1v1, you know, just in, in general within, you know, top-level football. But now you're saying do a 2-on-1. And, and that's a bit more of an ask for for any player to be in that position and challenge it, particularly when they're working their way back from a, a fitness and, and an injury issue. And, and this knee issue seems like it's going to be more of a pain management issue moving forward. But I, I do think the question could be asked now of – whether or not it was right to start Reese, particularly the fact that we're going to have Aston Villa coming up here on Monday who are a ascending side in the Premier League at this moment when Aspie as a deputy, if you're talking about needing a little bit of defense, needing a bit a little, little bit of stability would have potentially been a more solid option to really secure that right-hand side and would have allowed Timo to play further forward in that regard and not worry about some of the defensive responsibility. I think mean, that's, that's the real question here, Nick, is if we could have set ourselves up with, you know, the, a better formation or a better lineup to go out with again, hindsight twenty twenty. no one was questioning it at the beginning outside of, are they healthy enough?
0: All right, I'm jumping in before we do that we don't know we don't know that answer and we can't know but we're going to take a real quick break because we just have so much to cover honestly listeners i'm just going to throw it in now and then you won't have to worry about the rest of the show because we're going to talk about timo Werner. we're going to talk about some upsides kind of whose stock went up today because there were a few but then obviously we're going to go back to a huge quote from mason mount so a ton more to come at you thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show we're going to be
3: right back Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. That's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer valid through December 31st. All
0: right, listen up fellas, 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor manscape manscape is the best when it comes to men's blow the way grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels and helping million men all over the world
1: get rid of hair on their balls. Dan, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I agree. 2020 sucked and 2021 is right around the quarter. So, you know, if you want to get that new year freshness going on, you know, they've got the perfect package, you know, which is a collection of items like the lawnmower 3.0. You've got the, the weed whacker to take care of those annoying nose hairs and ears hair. And, you know, I mean, look, they also got other products that you could use, too. They've got a ball toner, right? The crop reliever. They've got a ton of different things. And as we're recording this, uh, we're getting laughed at. And, you know, ultimately, that's OK, because you know what? You have to find joy in this moment. And one of the things that can bring you joy, Brandon, can be a brand new package from Manscaped.
0: Uh, it's true. Look, if you're gonna you know, take care of yourself and, and do some cleaning up, you might as well do it with the right equipment. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof SkinScape trimmer, reduces the nicks to your two best friends, right? Uh, it comes with a shed travel bag, keep all your goodies stored together. Um, well, and, and Brandon, the- and Brandon,
1: don't forget, you know, the is gonna drop at midnight. Make sure the ball looks good. Good, 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 good with the Lawnmower 3.0 and Manscaped. Use our code blue for 20% off and free shipping on your first order. That is blue. the code, 20% off plus free shipping. So when the balls drop, everything looks pretty.
0: All right. Well, there you go.
1: 20% off
0: and free shipping with the code LONDONISBLUE at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use code LONDONISBLUE. Happy New Year to you and your balls. Okay, Nick, I, I know you have a naughty or nice list from this match. More naughties than <laughs> nice. So Timo Werner was actually singled out by Lampard today post-match. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of this from Frank. I think he kind of gave him a little bit of an out, talking about how he's you know, going to potentially need a little bit of time to adapt, but he's got to hurry up and do it. Um, <laughs> quote, Timo wasn't giving us enough with or without the ball. Some of it. We have to give him time. I keep saying the same thing because it's a different league, but also we have to get there quickly. He, his patience is is wearing thin. I continue to beat the drum for Timo Werner that he's not a winger. We're literally nullifying some of his best attributes by playing him out there. But the fact of the matter is Frank's putting him out there. He's not getting a tune out of him. Frank needs to do something different. If you continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results, it's the definition of insanity.
3: We all know it. Yep. Yep. Anyone else um, you want to add to that list? <laughs> no, I mean it's it is it's crazy. I mean it, he, I I was I actually went back and looked at some of his tape um, earlier in the week just because I was uh, bored over Christmas and I watched him play on on the wing. Uh, I'm using air quotes for those just listening to the show on the wing at Leipzig, and it was a whole different deal. I mean the amount of time and space that he had to operate in the Bundesliga versus what he has to operate in the Premier League. And importantly, the link up that he had with the midfield in in Leipzig's system was so much different than what Chelsea's currently providing that it I, I understand why people originally thought that this could be a thing that happened in the Premier League. It is very, 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 very clear that he has to be played through the middle or as a combination with another striker to be successful in the Premier League. He has to be closer to Golden. He has to be able to run in behind. He has to be able to do the Vardy and run off the shoulder. He has to be able to have time and space because now, as we know, he is a volume shooter. He is not a clinical finisher in, in the way that you would be kind of used to for a player of his caliber. So you have to give him a bunch of shots for him to, for him to get his goals. And you have to put him in the right positions. We're not doing either one of those things as a team right now. A lot of that blame is, is to Lampard and depth injuries on, at the winger positions at Chelsea and the combination play that's happening in front of him. I don't know where else to go with that, but that's just what it is.
0: I did, sure. I did a quick search for you, Dan. So three years ago, Timo Werner was the third fastest player in the Bundesliga. Pulisic was fourth so he's it's just he has the speed to get in we're not using it and I think that's again comes down to him not being in the right positions but he was not the only one that was bad Reese was crocked and injured I mean like where else did it fall apart besides everywhere As some might say
1: yeah I I guess so just to touch on the Timo point real quick and I know Brandon you're kind of Done talking about uh, Timo, at least from our our pre-match pod conversations. Well, only you if he to continues to play really out wide, because I think it's dumb. Yeah. But I understand. I go mean, go look. ahead. He scores two goals versus Hal Sampton centrally. And I think the next point, you know, it's, it's people are begging for this idea of playing Timo centrally. And the problem is, from a, a fitness standpoint, you have Drew and Tammy available. You have Timo available. You have Pulisic available. You have Callum Hudson-Roy available. So your attacking, you know, barrage or your attacking lineup is a little, little, you know, set back because you don't have Zish available. Because if you really wanted to go Pulisic, Werner, and Zish, you can't do it right now because you're missing a little bit of the the right. Now you could go Pulisic, Werner, and Callum. You know, we did see Callum come in, and Callum had a really strong performance for his you know, 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes that he was on the pitch today. So that was a nice cameo appearance and definitely added a little bit from an attacking perspective, you know, but it wasn't the only failing. I mean, you know, Timo did not have a great game, but that was, he was not the only person in this match. You know, we look at the midfield, you know, Kovacic had to be subbed off 45 minutes in. I, I will say Kovacic for Jorginho at 45 minutes in, was definitely a bit of a shocker. That was not the substitution that I was anticipating from Lampard. When I thought about like, like, you know, the, I, I joked and people didn't take this the right way. And again, this is, this is Twitter being Twitter, but I joked about like the mingo card of like, what are the things that you could just the crazy oddball things that could happen in a match? like, Reece James giving up a penalty that wasn't a penalty, Kovacic getting a leg breaking tackle that was given as a yellow and not a red. Like what are the crazy things that could happen in a match that just would happen? And Jorginho coming in in the 45th minute to try to save the day would have been an absolute block on that bingo card because it just didn't make any sense. Like and I I I think this goes to a larger point is just, you know, we like structurally set up and maybe this is like a looking forward and maybe this is the naivety of, of Lampard is thinking about, we've got a Villa side who are a much stronger form, even Arsenal side who is struggling at the moment and maybe not taking them as seriously, Brandon, as the, the Villa side that we're going to be facing on Monday and, and how much that factored into this equation here. You know, whereas, Maybe that was what was on Frank's mind, and, and again, we, we can't read too much into it. We can't, you know, try to interpret, you know, interpolate too much of it. But ultimately, like that, that is where I'm kind of going in this. Is like maybe we approached this a little bit more passively because we thought we could just rise over the hill and get enough out of that result to get ahead and hope that that was enough to get us a win, so that we could focus on Villa on Monday.
0: With all due respect, Dan, (laughs) no, (laughs) with no due respect. And what, and what, and what world, like I can't, I know this is just a hypothesis, but I can't accept that thought that the Chelsea player said it's Arsenal, but we need to get ready for Villa. Fuck that. It's a London Derby. There's rivalry. Like there's heat between these two teams. Like, It wasn't really there today, but there was no energy, there's no passion. So if, Dan, that was the case, like, I have serious problems with the club and the way it's being run then. But thankfully, I don't think that's it. I think that is – that that like, that can't even be on the table of of possibilities. If that happened, like, I I honestly would have, like, an identity crisis of, like, what is happening at Chelsea Football Club. If If, we're worried about Villa over Arsenal – Here's the thing. But if, uh, but, if, but, but, if,
1: if just, we come just, out, just to, just to really quick go in on that, Our, you know Arsenal are a struggling at this point. They're they're going to be no higher than 14th on the table after this match, right? Like that is the highest that they will be. No, I understand. I just disagree strongly. But, but Villa, but Villa, you know, are in an ascendancy period at this point in time. Like they are performing really well. They have one of the best Premier League players at the moment in Grealish, just on form just on form so if you're thinking if Frank potentially is throwing the dice gambling a little bit is he thinking yes it's Arsenal but Arsenal have also struggled significantly like we 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 were the anomaly result Nick amongst a string of results for Arsenal we we don't have the
0: luxury to do that no, nope. this season. I,
1: I know that we don't, but I, I, I'm I'm I'm, I'm just Chelsea. trying to think about it as a like looking at the the holistic situation is what potentially led to this result. Here's the it, thing: did we think too much about what was happening on Monday versus what was happening in front of us?
3: You'll know this, and this is what I was trying to say. Um, you'll if we go out and score four and five minutes against Villa, then Dan's right. If we don't then it was just a really, really bad approach to a really crucial game. That's but it. Like,
0: the lineup doesn't make sense to me if that's the thinking. Anyways, I'm going to move on. I Look, I think the players were just bang average today. No fight, no spirit, a little bit shell-shocked at the way Arsenal came out. But my biggest problem over the, not just this match, right, because I'm trying to take it into some context and think bigger about what's been happening, I think our midfield is pedestrian. I think that Angola Conte today was miles off his normal standards. He, he gave up the stupid foul that normally he picks that pocket and goes the other way and Shaka scores. It's cleanly scores. Um, he had many fouls today. Uh, with, just seemed a little bit lost. Usually he reads the play so much better. Again, I'm not saying bench and goal of content. I'm just saying, hey, he had a bad game. At players will have X amount of bad games a season. I think horribly for us, uh, many of those players had a bad game on the same day and it compounded everywhere. Second of all, uh, Mason leaves the midfield and gets all the way into the attack and leaves it Kova That did not work today at all. And Kovacic is tidy in possession, loves a good turn in tight spaces, but he doesn't pick his head up more than 10 yards. And the problem is we have no one to release these attackers. Now, Thurman said on Discord that Timo made a lot of these runs. I missed it, so I'm not going to say he didn't. But I saw over and over Mason and Christian making these runs in from the wing across to the first center back, and we didn't even look up. At one point, Tammy looked like a post player. He had the center back shielded behind him. He had a 20-yard gap between the Tierney and the center back. You had a huge gap to play into space, and he had him. You, he turns, and the center back's now on his back. He's in on goal. Didn't even look to it. I would love to see the pass maps of how many times we played penetrating passes into space against this team. The commentators in sky, when they talked about it back, they said, Arsenal made us run at our back run towards our goal. Many times it did not happen for us today. We didn't look to push the pace. We didn't look to find anyone in early. We did this small passing. We get down by the box. They would have their defensive shape. And then we were just whipping across. And to be fair, we actually did decent with the amount of crosses, but it was an unsuccessful day out, and a lot of that comes from the midfield. Akim Ziyech leads this team with his passing. We've been missing it so <clears throat> hard. And when Kai Alvarez is struggling to adapt to the pace of the Premier League, when Timo Werner is struggling to adapt to the pace of the Premier League, I think that's why he put Jorginho in, saying, pick your head up, Jorginho, and look for that early ball. But it never happened.
3: No, I mean – Part of the reason that I was so frustrated after the Leeds match, and that was a match that we won 3-1 with a couple of late goals, is because you started to see some of these cracks. And that was a ta- that was a tactical masterclass by Lampard, right? Like, that match was, you know, everyone was super pumped about it. You know, I was not. Uh, it was one of the most frustrating matches I've ever watched, and for a lot of reasons. Then we go out. And we play Everton and get completely, you know, it was kind of a similar performance, to be honest. Except Everton didn't convert their chances at the same rate. Then we go out and blow a one-goal lead to Wolves, who were struggling for form. Then we luck our way into a West Ham win, if I'm honest. We lucked our way in. And then we played like shit today. Since the beginning of December, this team has not been clicking the last Kras- Krasnodar uh, at home was a harbinger of things to come. This team lacks structure right now. They lack playmakers. They lack passing ability. They lack everything. And it's the the problem is it's not good enough for a team that has this much talent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do with that what well, you will.
0: Well, if we can just real quick touch on a couple, I think, positive performances today because – While the the sum in the body was terrible, uh, there were a couple bright spots. I think I personally thought Tammy played his absolute heart out. I felt like he chased everything down. He was trying to do everything in his power, sticking every head, toe, knee in the way, finally getting the goal right at the very end off of a chest. I thought Christian Pulisic was lively and threatening anytime we could get it to him. It just was not nearly enough. Um, Or if we did... Again, the entire Arsenal defense was already back, but he had a really good success dribbling and penetrating their back line today. Um, and then I think the big one, Dan, was Callum. I think why Callum got a lot of praise today is because he's been up and down. Um, he's been timid at times, but when when I, I don't know if Jody talked to him right before he walked out on the pitch, but his his directions were clear. Respect no one. Beat everyone. Be dangerous. Because he did. He looked like he had a lot of confidence today.
1: Well, he he came in and, you know, if we think about what Reese was offering on the right-hand side in terms of crosses in today, which were not as effective as they maybe have been previously or to the standard that we would anticipate, what Callum offered was a bit of direct play, both in the way that he was attacking and then also the crosses he was delivering into the box. And that was something that challenged Arsenal in a way that, that we weren't pressing their attack, pressing their their fullbacks, you know, in any capacity, you know, previously. And so that, w- that was a nice change of pace. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Frank comes out and says that Callum's going to get a shot versus Villa, right? And, you know, this is something that we've been, you know, maybe as a fan base has been questioning, you know, why is Callum not starting when, you know, maybe – yeah, there's this injury to Ziyech. Callum is, is a natural winger. If you want to play a 4-3-3, you know, you're going to want someone who's a, a wide attacker. That's honestly what Timo is. You know, So why are you forcing Timo into the wing? So Nick, we get to this point where Callum, it looks like, is going to potentially get a chance to roll off of this positive end result that was a little bit of a consolation prize and potentially push forward and get a chance to really try to claim a spot here off of this result.
3: Yeah, I mean, I saw a couple of threads today that Lampard kind of dangles these carrots out. He did it for Ross. He's done it for Ruben. You know, I think he's he's done it for a a few players at Chelsea. And then, you know, I think defaults back to what he feels most comfortable with. I I don't know if that's true or not. Um, You know, only the player and the manager will know that. But um, I... I hope that Callum takes this opportunity and makes it impossible for Lampard to drop him. I, like I, I think that's the that's the thing now because Ziyech will come back eventually, right? Um Timo's clearly not effective out on the wing. And Tammy's playing relatively well. He scored uh you know again today uh although a little bit of a, a you know fortunate goal just with a slight you know, a toe keeping him on side, essentially, you know, before he it in the back of the net, but it was a good pass by Callum. I, You know, if Pulisic on the left and Callum on the right provide natural width or they switch, you know, off, you know, back and forth, I'm, I'm open to any and all ideas. Um, I, I think this team it, with, with Callum has to kind of play a 4-3-3. And so you're kind of locked into a formation there. One one of the things that I was recalling today, Dan, from the summer pods when when we were making these really crucial signings, uh, especially Havertz and Werner, is that you're like, hey, you, you get the talent, and you figure out what to do with it. I I think we're now in a spot where I don't know what I don't, I don't know if Frank knows what to do with it, <laughs> and and that's a little worrying. And it's not it's not to say that it, he'll never know what to do with it or that. This is just a, you know, maybe a blip on the radar. Maybe things will get better soon. But Havers doesn't start today. Looks kind of lost when he comes on. Verner's looked lost for weeks. I You know, I don't know what to do, honestly. It's like if the Blue Apron
1: box ships without the ingredients. You have to hope that there's a chef on the other end who's experienced enough to take all the ingredients and figure out what the end recipe is supposed to be. And we're hoping... That Frank is the type of chef who's going to figure out how to take advantage of everything that's in the box and give you the end result that was anticipated. And the question is, is will he do it? And I think there, he is growing through every learn, through every failed result. And I think the bigger question is: be is where is the patience from supporters, from players, and? Uh, You know, ultimately, Chelsea is an entity to say that this is scaling at the right level. Like, what is the amount of losses that we are willing to accept? What's the amount of draws we're willing to accept as we try to go for this? And I think given how compact the table is at the moment, you know, if we were already, you know, 20 points behind a Liverpool as it were, you know, and and like the season, like they were, someone was running away with the title. I I do think our optics would be a little bit different. Like it was last year where it's like, Oh, it's learning, right? They're training wheels. This is a different bit of a season because there's already a presumptive favorite, but when you can taste, when, when there's a little bit of this hope and this ability potentially to go out and gazump somebody for a title that changes the optics of the situation and that's why i think that you know, we have to kind of wrestle with this internal dialogue of well we we love frank we want him to grow and succeed but we also as as chelsea's fans and chelsea reporters you know want to put a you know a flag in the ground and say we want to buy for a title every single time that there's one available and there's one available this season well so not
0: we, really, but yeah so i mean technically It's available, right? (laughs) Someone's going to get it. But here's where we can talk a little bit about that, right? So Frank versus the players, this is my third match review. Um, Deep breath coming. But Mason Mount, uh, Chelsea through and through, obviously, with a quote post-match. He says, quote, that was probably one of the worst performances that us as players have produced. We're playing for Chelsea, and we can't represent the club like that. It's really hard to talk about because that's not us. End quote. Um, I think Lampard had some pretty direct quotes post-match two. To summarize those, he's saying, you can blame me for what happened around the field, but on the field, you have to blame the players. And he pretty much squarely put it on the players for not taking care of the business that they were supposed to. So you kind of have two sides of this after the match. Nick, it's pretty normal at this point in Lampard's tenure in the season, did Lampard cock it up or did the players just not deliver on what they were supposed to do? Usually the correct answer is it's a blend of both, but I I thought you had an interesting reaction to Lampard's quotes, putting the, putting it squarely on the
3: players. It didn't really sit well with you, did it? No, no, it didn't. I'll be honest. Like there's a lot of noise around Lampard right now. There are a lot of angry fans who want him out. I am firmly in the Lampard in camp. However, today What that press conference needs to be after the game pitch side to me is, uh, you know, him shielding the players and reprimanding them behind closed doors, airing out your dirty laundry in public never goes well. There is not one single case where you can look at and go, oh, yeah, I remember when the manager raked the players over the coals in public and how well they performed the next match because of it. It just doesn't work. It's a it's a it's a youthful mistake from Lampard. And he can be pissed all he wants, by the way. Like he he said multiple times during that press conference. I told him to be ready for this. I told him their backs were gonna be or Arsenal's backs were gonna be against the wall. I told him this thing. I told him that thing. I told him the other thing. And they didn't listen. And so he's probably upset because they didn't they didn't jive with his game plan, right? But The thing that a Mourinho or a Klopp or a Pep does, for the most part, not in all cases, is that they shield the the behind-the-scenes and talk in generalities about the match. I mean, look at what Arteta's done over the last couple of weeks. The performance wasn't up to par. There were some tactical mistakes. The end. It wasn't... It's not... Well, Timo was bad, and so we had to sub him. (laughs) Like... It it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. I think this is one where even if Frank, Dan, even if Frank feels aggrieved, you got to eat that shit and then just apply your anger in training the next day. Like, there is no other way to do it in my mind.
1: Two boxing days in a row where we have not shown up. I mean, we've we've lost two two boxing days in a row and you're going to think about the fact that we have more time to prepare for that than we do the next match afterwards. And so, you know, at a certain point, it comes down to preparation. It comes down to, to game plan and it comes down to the, the will and the desire, you know, Brandon, our last podcast talk about, you know, talked about this idea of, you know, talent versus, you know, preparation, right. You know, the desire, like who wants it more. Arsenal wanted this match from the opening whistle, way more than Chelsea wanted this match. This was a pride match for Arsenal. And they came out from minute zero to minute 90 plus wanting this match in every capacity more than we did. And you have to, as as, I'm like vomiting in my mouth as I say this, but you have to credit the fact that Arsenal wanted this match and came out and played in a capacity with a desire that you would want to see Chelsea approach a a London Derby and particularly a London Derby against Arsenal with. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that's not what we saw. And so, yeah, I I, I do think it's an unfortunate schism. I think people point to the fact that, you know, Giroud was laughing on the bench when he didn't come in as a a substitute for his 100th substitute appearance uh, for this match. But I, I, it's just a calamity. It's a, it's a calamity of, of failures across the, the the players, across the manager, across the, the preparation and, and not taking your opponent seriously and your opponent saying, you know, like we we, we totally this is an, like like this. This could be a, a, a promotion for like a, a offer that Chelsea Football Club could have like, hey, are you on the slump? Are you on the slide? Are you five wins without, you know, five matches without a win? Well, do I have an offer for you? Chelsea Football Club is coming in and offering you 3 points. If you are looking for them because we will absolutely scale down and support you in your efforts to get 3 points and you know go up the table.
0: I mean, I I think that my big concern is that you're talking about a mentality problem. Like the players don't have the right mentality. I don't know in what world... I know understand players play for contracts these days, maybe less about the badge. I don't know in what world you don't get up for an Arsenal match. The problem is, let's say you remove the opponent, right? Let's say we played anybody today. Chelsea had the potential to go up to second based on the Leicester result. Um, or I'm sorry, they could, depending on the results, we could have gone all the way up to second. Even if we won... We would have been in third ahead of Leicester City on goal difference. Instead, we're now in seventh. To me, the problem is this team clearly doesn't understand how tight of a race it is and that every single match is important, not some versus others, because even if you were to play, let's say, Newcastle or Crystal Palace today, you know, someone lower in the table, You have to act like that's Man City or Liverpool. You have to treat every single match right now. So, what was doing the math? So, Man City are in fifth on 26 points. Crystal Palace are in 13th on 18 points. That's eight points. Eight points from 13 to fifth. That's, we're literally talking a couple results, positive or negative, you fly up or down the table. We're now sitting in seventh as it stands with 15 matches played. Okay. Liverpool have played 14. United have played 14. Man City played 14. Villa have played 13. Tottenham have played 14. All these teams above and around us have an advantage of less games played than we do where we're at. The mentality is my biggest concern, which is weird because Frank has been... Under some of the best managers in the world, he's been credited with having one of the best mentalities in the world because he wasn't the most naturally gifted player. He had to work his ass off to get to where he is. Yet that message isn't getting across to players. And that's what really concerns me.
3: That I mean, that's it though, right? Like think about last year, Chelsea were fo- comfortably fourth for most of the season, right? It obviously got a little hairy at the end and you know we you know, kind of barely made the Champions League, but we made it, right? We scraped it over. And in most of the inflection point matches of last season, Chelsea showed up, right? Not, not all of them, but, you know, you think about the two Spurs games where fourth was on the line, Spurs could have jumped us and we batted them back, right? Or you think about the Man City game or you think about all that kind of stuff. This year, we were comfortably third for, you know, whatever, a handful of matches at the beginning of the year, right? We were looking okay. This table is bonkers, man. It's absolutely wild. Like, you can't look at it enough. You you have to, every game you have to win in this table. And it's going to be very hard. I know that's an impossible thing, by the way. I'm not being unrealistic. But, like, you kind of have to win every game. And, and, like, to come out with a performance this flat, knowing that you have to play again in two days, what are you saving yourself for? Like, losing to Villa on the road is at this stage, isn't the worst thing in the world losing to this arsenal team and picking up what should be guaranteed points is a, is a crime. It it really is like, it's why we're so frustrated because if you go out and beat Villa now, it's, it's fine, but it doesn't mean as much as if you had also beaten Arsenal. Well, (laughs) you know, like that's the crazy thing. I
0: know even a point right now, look, we're one of four teams on 25 points, even one point puts you level on 26 points with City, and you're in you're in fifth, it is like, I love that the people are talking about 90 points is n- not going to happen to win the league this year. We're back down to like 80s to win the league this season because it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and there's just a lot that's still going to happen this season. But the amount of losses this team has, so the fact that we're sitting on four losses... Is a massive problem. Four draws. We only have we have seven wins. Like it it's not where we need to be. Even if you pick up draws, right? The difference between an additional three points, if you take away three of those four draws, you're in twenty-eighth, you're actually in, in third place. Like that's the level of tightness in this table. We're dropping too
3: many freaking points. You you also have to take advantage of results that go your way. Southampton drawing against Fulham today, Leicester and Manchester United drawing. Those are two big results that Chelsea Football Club could have capitalized on. Ten men Aston Villa beating the hell out of Crystal Palace didn't really go our way and likely won't go our way on Monday. But like, if you think about it, like the two, you, know, you had a handful of teams in front of you that drop points. You beat this hapless Arsenal team, and you're and you're back in a position where you can start to figure out where you really sit amongst the mix. Right now, you're just one of a bunch of teams. It could go your way. It could not go your way. But every match that you lose makes the next match that much harder. And you start to compound these losses, Dan, and every match is going to feel impossible. And that's the shitty thing.
1: Well, it creates this escalating challenge, right, where every match now becomes the next most important match. And so the pressure starts to build, right? It's It goes from being the start of the pressure cooker to being the end of the pressure cooker, right? And it builds over time. And so ultimately, you know, what was potentially a situation matches where if we look back on it and we beat Arsenal, we, you know... Beat Villa and we lose to City, or we draw City and Villa. Yeah, you know, that that probably ultimately feels like an okay set of results, right? Villa have been really good this season. City are finding their way back into form. Arsenal have been terrible, and and so just the narrative structure Brandon is a little bit different. But when you lose to this Arsenal team, and, and I I will just I will flat out say this is one of the most abject. Worst Arsenal teams that we have played since we have been doing this podcast. This is the worst Arsenal team. And to they lose the them worst.
3: is a, they're the worst. Yeah. They're, it is a travesty.
1: We've been doing this podcast for six years. And, like it is the worst Arsenal team we have lost to. It's unacceptable. And so now the team, this, this Chelsea team, this squad and Frank Lampard are under more pressure because they lost what should have been a winnable game.
0: All right. Well, real quick, uh, Dan of the match. Then we can continue the table review if you want. But
1: <laughs> there wasn't one. It was canceled. We're good. We can bypass it. But th-
0: but there's that. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk on it if you wanted to. But apparently not. Uh,
1: well, th- th- there's th- there's no need to. You know, we, we don't do it when there's a loss. We don't do it when there's a bad loss. This was a bad loss. We don't do it. Dan of the match was canceled.
0: Yeah. Look at the just again. Look at the Arsenal roster and ask yourself how. And if you come up with something, let us know, social media, email. We would love to try to figure this one out. So anyways, as the table stands, which we've talked a lot about this, is Liverpool still in first on 31 points, Everton second and 29 points, Leicester City in third on 28 points, Man United in fourth on 27 points, Man City fifth on 26 points. They were down around mid-table. Didn't take long for them to get back up to the top. Villa in sixth on 25 points. We are seventh with 25. Tottenham are eighth with twenty-five. And Southampton are ninth with twenty-five. So six points between ninth and first. Four points between oh, second
3: and ninth. So um well, I mean, look at this too. Look, remember when our goal diff was high? It's yes. only plus thirteen now. It's still one of the better ones
0: in the league. We're third best. Right, So that's actually helping us if we were to get back level on points with teams, but we're not, which is still a problem. Nick, instead of being lumped in with Liverpool, Leicester, United, City, we're now lumped in with Villa, Tottenham, Southampton, and West Ham. Not exactly the tier
3: two we want to be in right now. Well, and again, Liverpool has only played 14, United's only played 14, City's only played 14, so... Just go ahead and write in another three points for those in the table, if if you would, and and the table looks a little different. Um, Two wins in our last five. Look, to to wrap this up, I think one of the reasons I'm really frustrated is that I think we all had big hopes coming into the year, even though my hopes were more muted than you know. Let's say Dan's were. You know, I still thought that there would be a steady improvement along the way. And by the way, there still can be a steady improvement. It doesn't mean that if you have a couple of bumps in the road that you can't regain your form and get better. Right. So like, I know we've been kind of not so typical, you know, form in this one and overly negative, but like the result kind of demanded this from us. Like there was nothing good to talk about. And to be honest, after the recent run of results, you can—it's been pressure that's been building for me personally. This team needs to do a couple of things moving forward, Dan. One, they mm-hmm. need to have some sort of kumbaya coming together, team building moment, which I know is hard in the age of COVID. But yeah, no, no it. Christmas do where you just kind of get tossed together. Nope. Yeah. So laser tag at cabin maybe. And that's and, that, <laughs> and that's hammered drunk for those who don't speak uh, British English. Uh, tossed uh, the the next thing is th- there needs to be some creativity around the structure of this team. Clearly, that four three three that was working for a while ain't working anymore. So, is this a team that becomes more adaptive in formational selection? Do we go three back? Do we? Play a weird midfield thing. Do we get sick in a ten? Do we play it? You know, front two for the first time since Lampard took over because that's what, you know, that's where Timo's is going to be most effective. You know, Lampard has to start answering some of the questions around structure. I know that you know we we had a quick chat with Joe Tweeds, Dan, and I think he shares some of those sentiments uh, as well.
1: Yeah, it's just a. It has a feeling, unfortunately, of the the blind leading the blind at the moment. And you know, I I, I will say, and and I, I feel like I'm okay saying this, that I tend to be the most optimistic individual on in this podcast, typically. no, no. Am...
3: I'm pretty <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean Nick usually runs you yeah. know, it's it's a foot race to the finish, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I typically outshine him just by a nose. Uh, this is the most down I felt about this season so far after this result. And, and look, there was a lot of luck issues, right? Like Mason off the bar, the VAR situation with Reese. Like, like there were just some stupid things in this. So I, I, I didn't necessarily feel like overly, I felt aggrieved more, uh, you know, more than frustrated at, at points in this match. Um, no.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but ultimately, like you have to be up for it too. And, and the fight was not there.
3: You have to create your own luck, Dan. You have to create your own luck. You you didn't create your own luck today. That's that's a Harvey Dent line. Come on. I think I think look,
0: <laughs> if you were to say on the day Arsenal probably did more to create better chances than we did, but there's definitely no shout, doubt that you know that things broke their way and those happen in matches. But there was no response from the beginning. Really, there was no response from Chelsea. We didn't get a response until um shit, it was it, yeah I say it was far too late and I I think I put it in the discord I was like great we needed this attacking um urgency you know 16 minutes ago like to, to to turn it on in the 80th minute just is not good enough um and so a lot a lot to be discussed around that but hey we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up we've gone a little bit long um I'm sure you're you are um, probably in a bit of a similar mindset as us. So look, if you need group therapy, if you need just someone to talk to, hit us on, I just on social, but you got to get in our discord. I'd plug it every week, but it's because it is the best community out there and they are far more active than we are. We can only answer so many things in a week. Uh, they are an extension of us realistically. So get into our Patreon and, and get it sorted out. But, uh, next match is Villa. It'll be coming up right away this coming Monday on the, the 20th of December. So, Um, Hopefully a a quick match doesn't give the team time to sulk. It just gets them right back into Cobham, some recovery, watch the film, and get ready for the next one because it's going to come fast. So uh, thank you for listening to us. As always, you're the best part of the show. Engage with us on social media. Um, Thank you to Nick and Dan for hanging in there, but that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.